You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to the live stream YouTube edition of the John Conn Report. You see Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders there with me. It's not a Therapy Tuesday, Bram. It's, I guess it's, you know what it is? It's a tie Tuesday. So how about that? You know, uh, Resh Manuel suggested this on Twitter. I'm like, well, I got to tie my office. I can put one on. I don't even know how to react to this one, Bram. I don't yeah, know. The, weird. the game, it was just, it was empty. It was empty uh, for I'm with uh, I'm with John Allen. I don't think the game should end that way. They should talk to the competition committee about it. You know, get just get a winner. Like it's play till you get a winner. I, I I don't get it. I I don't either. And and by the way, if you when you catch this show, you can always follow follow us on YouTube as part of Empire Media A M P I R E. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. All that good stuff. We'll have more content throughout the bye week and into next week have some interviews with with some players including for you howellians i have one with sam howell get that out there Derek forrest and then i'm going to have some other stuff for next week to get you guys ready for the last four games of the season and bram speaking of which how did did sunday alter your opinion at all of what this team could do down the stretch or what did what did it do as far as how you see them going forward uh, a couple things um, you know, I think that one, I think Giants may feel this way too, uh, but I, I think this one got away from Washington a little bit. I think they should have won. Um, uh, there's a couple of, you know, they're very thin at certain positions and they got thinner again. So, you know, their vulnerable positions are the ones where they keep getting injuries. Um, so that's worrisome to me. And we can talk about some of those specifically offensive line, which has just been juggling constantly. Um, and, you know, I, I hope this isn't true and maybe this, they needed the bye week, but I do feel like the defense peaked a couple of weeks ago. They have not been their best the last couple of weeks. And I'm hoping just the bye week will and getting Benjamin St. Juice back, hopefully, um, will help them kind of get back to where they were. I don't think they could keep the pace that they were at. So I'm not surprised that there was a little bit of a drop off speci specifically with the run defense. But I do hope that this late buy will help them get back to being a little bit better on that uh, on that front because that's a little worrisome to me too. Well, well I will say, with, in regards to the run defense, I mean, we're talking really. Daniel Jones hurt them, but it was as much with his scrambling as it was with any design runs. And then Barkley's runs, the biggest ones came in the two minute situation, and the linebackers are playing for a pass. So when they were playing the run, playing for the run, they stopped. To me, they did a good job against the run. It was Jones's legs where they had a harder time with it. But I, I wonder, too, like, first of all, from a health standpoint, if they can get Benjamin St. Juice back for that second game, that's a huge, huge bonus for them. And yep. my understanding is that he took another step earlier this, let's see, what's today, Tuesday? I think on Monday he, did, he started doing some jump rope. 
and for that's a big deal to them because with that kind of a ankle sprain, it's it's more again it was described as a mid mid ankle sprain, not the high, which would be you know maybe six seven weeks, but a more of a mid ankle sprain. But the fact that he was starting to jump rope to me to them took that as a good sign. So I think there's. I don't know if he'll be back yet or not for that game, but I think there's at least trending in the right direction with him. And then with um, Sam Cosme, I think they feel good about where he's at. He came out of that game with the ankle injury. I think they felt like, you know, he, that he could be back for that game as well. Trey Turner would be back. And then with um, Tyler Larson, that's a big blow. And he's going to get a second opinion, Bram, over the weekend. Doesn't look good. So it doesn't look good, no, but not to play anytime no. soon. No, 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 no. Second opinion, which is just going to confirm some things for it for him. But, you know, I would not expect him, but that's a loss for them. And so then what do you do at center? What do you think should be done with that interior now, given all those injuries? Oh yeah. Assuming <laughs> Turner or Cosme are back, then I would put Wes Schweitzer there because Wes Schweitzer was the player that was, basically the center during the entire offseason while they waited for Chase Roulier um, to come back off his injury and Tyler Larson to come off of his injury. Now that they're both gone, um, I would go Schweitzer here. They could go Nick Martin. I think that the line did not perform as well. This was also early when overall, I don't want to blame him. I think the line has performed a lot better, especially since they've become a more run-oriented offense and found their identity again. Um, but I, my gut says, assuming Cosme or Turner is available, that they'll go Schweitzer. And if something happens in the game, then Schweitzer could move and Martin could come in. But that's where I would go. I don't know where you are on it. Yeah, no, I, I would go. The reason there's a couple of things. In fact, somebody even asked me on Twitter about the chances of them um, sign, going and getting a guy like Keith, Keith Ishmael. And I want to see who did ask me that because somebody did. Um, Ooh, oh, mind after math PhD. Um, he was one of the ones asked about Ishmael and and someone else did as well. So, but the reason why you don't go get him is because he wasn't, to be honest, he wasn't very good this summer. So, and he's not a very he's a more finesse type center, not a very physical player. So the strength wasn't there. So they're better off sticking in in, in house. And that goes to to me. The guy I go with is Schweitzer because I think he'll be better, even though he doesn't have the same experience as Nick Martin. He's got he has he has I think the strength they would want in the run game, and I think that's important. And if yep. you compare him with Turner or Cosmic Guard, I think they'll be okay. So that's what I would do there. Uh, yeah, that's what I would do there. I'm hoping Cosby could play. I'm hoping Trey Turner could play. You know, this is this is Scotch taped together. I mean, but they've been doing this all year where it's been a rotation of players, whether it's injuries, ineffectiveness, rotating people around. I don't think they probably have not had three weeks in a row where they've had the same starting five. Like it's just consistently changing. I knew this was going to happen in the summer. I mean, you could see it coming in the summer. Um, it is something that I hate talking about next year because I don't think it's worth it, but it is going to be something they're going to have to really address. It has to be a big Again, in the offseason. I think if you if you got them to be really honest about it, you know, I think some of the decisions that were made on the offensive line, they probably would rethink a couple of those. Um, so I, I think, um, yeah, that's something they'll have to revisit. It'll be a, it'll be an interesting position group that they're going to have to think about. Um, but, you know, for now, we are where we are. They've been able to juggle it and become an effective run team, and they've pass protected in general better. I don't really look at this last game as an indictment of them. The Giants blitzed so much um, that it was bound that they would get to them a little bit. They They play... 
I think an extraordinarily risky, you know, style of defense based on their personnel and based on their injuries on the back end. I mean, they're leaving those guys hung out to dry. If they don't get there, they're going to give up big plays, which is why I'm not surprised Heineke had some of the numbers that he had, that the receivers had some of the numbers that they had. And I'm not surprised. I know a lot of people were kind of surprised at how many times they threw the ball. Watching them on film, I thought there would be a ton of opportunities down the field, and they'd be crazy not to take advantage of the matchups. And frankly, you know, I don't want to go too hard on the referees because I know everybody's, you know, there were a couple bad ones that went against the Giants too, but there were three or four like terrible calls in this game, which is why, you know, I do feel good about all these injuries happened. They left some stuff out on the field for sure. And the referees really didn't help them. But this always adds up to, for me, um, the margin for error for this team is extraordinarily slim and they get a couple of bad calls here or there. They have a miss on the Logan Thomas play. Brian Robinson, for some reason, didn't stay in bounds on that opening drive. They left points on the field again. And even if they're the better team, and probably subjective this time, but even if they are, they're like that close to losing anyway. You know, so that's what concerns me about them moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, um, well, here, speaking of those, the, the official Steve Moody wants to know any chance the NFL could give a visual demonstration of what is and isn't offense and defensive pass interference. They do Every that. Person, they do that for the broadcasters and the reporters, yeah. actually. They and, do that. Um, they just don't publicly disseminate it. Well, they don't. And also, it's different for each person because even on the one to McLaurin, which was the correct call initially, but then the back judge who comes in and basically tells the others, he didn't think it was egregious enough. That's what they told. That's what they relayed to Washington. And it was a bad what, call. It was, it was a bad call. And you know what? Like it, I'm sick of this. This is like, this happened early in the season and, and it just happened here. It hadn't happened in a while. Terry McLaurin is a bona fide number one receiver. He doesn't get treated that way by the referees. No, I mean, that was, no. that was like, and you know what? And part of me like wants to say to him, cause he's so demonstrative with his teammates and how competitive he is. He doesn't complain. And you know, no. He may have to a little bit now because he like that shouldn't have happened the other day. Not to him. He's not a run of the mill receiver who's trying to get a call like that was ridiculous. No call. And the wrong referee picked up the flag. That's the part I hated about it most. The person who had the worst view of the whole thing picked it up. Well, his his and also his job on that play is not to be watching for that particular route. So he he has other responsibilities on there. So it you know I agree that and that's a swing right there. But there's a swing. There's a lot of there are a lot of swings in that game. And I think one of the things that you know they've struggled to score in the red zone. And so why is that? And I've started to go back and look at a lot of that stuff. I kind of got sidetracked today by another project, but I went. I was I've been able to go back and look at some of it. And sometimes it's just as simple as missing a guy who's open, you know, and like Robinson, you brought up Robinson. He did get shoved on that play. And I'm only going to assume that his momentum momentum took him out of bounds. And I don't know, like if that's the case or not, but that's what it looked like. And it was weird, but then, you know, you miss Thomas. And even on the third down and goal from the three, Jahan Dotson is open in the back of the end zone. And I, and I think one of the things I wonder about with Heineke is does that size, does it get, so because it gets more constricted down there, does it somehow, does it somehow prevent him from sometimes seeing the play as clearly as he needs to, to make that decision? Because the, the week before, I think it was the week before, the, the Bates was open in the end zone on the seam route and the delay, and because he delay, it's a miss. So there's been a few plays like that where they've got to get those right because those are, you can't keep field goals when you have that golden chance for a touchdown.
Um, and by the way, Jay Kerr 20 wants to know, do you think they will get Wentz ready if Heineke has a bad first quarter or half in the rematch? Any updates on St. Juice? Well, we already gave the update on St. Juice, and that was in the first part of it. But as far as Wentz, I don't think they – I think – I don't think they'd go to him unless there's a bad game or unless something happens in that game. And I just, I don't think you can do that. I, I, Bram, I talked to somebody over there today and they were just saying that they think right now it would kill the spirit of the locker room if they went away from Heineke. So I think it would take a really bad quarter and I think a disastrous quarter for them to do anything like that. But, you know, I just, I don't think, I don't see that happening. So there you go. Uh, I I don't think it'd be a it's not a quick trigger like I don't I don't see that happening. Um, he is going to be moved up to the primary backup. That is going to happen. Right. The second right. he's healthy, that's going to happen. <clears throat> and then so I I kind of gone back and forth on this. I think this is actually a pretty close locker room, pretty close knit. I don't think I don't honestly think like you can fool them. And honestly, like I feel like if something goes the wrong way this next week, um, and the quarterback doesn't play very well. I would not be surprised. We can revisit this that like, yes. and I, and I really don't think um, that honestly, like, I don't think there'd be some revolt over it if it was obvious, you know, that like right. a change was, was necessary, was necessary. And I'm not saying that it is like, I just, I feel it like has to be this is an obvious. open question and I don't feel like all these like ideas that this locker room wouldn't be able to handle it. I think Ron Rivera has got a pretty good pulse on the whole thing. And I, I really don't, I think if it's warranted, they will do it. I yeah. just, at this point, don't believe it is warranted, and that's why it's not happening. Right, and again, keep, let's keep in mind that Wentz has barely practiced since for a long time. You know, that's a that's a hard road to go. You don't just do that. And by the way, and this I'm going to spend about 10 seconds on this one. Um, some people asked me on Twitter if they put in a claim for Baker Mayfield, they're interested. No, why no. would they be? No, there's 0% chance – Keep in mind, they knew he was available when they went out and traded for Wentz. Everybody knew he was available. They didn't want him. The league, you know, there's no, there was, there's no chance that that would be a good answer for this situation right now to take another failed quarterback and bring him in here. So, no, that's, that's all I want to spend on there. By the way, let's look at these last four games because Mr. Ron B, he gave, had an interesting question. Last four opponents feature run-heavy offenses. Defense will be severely tested. Do do we have enough? He asked. So, and you kind of touched on that, Bram. And he says he's right. The Giants obviously want to run different style of run because you incorporate the quarterback. Then you get the Browns, who also have Nick Chubb, but then a running now a, a mobile quarterback. The Niners, that's what they're going to do. And then Dallas, you know. So yeah, I mean, do you think they have enough to hold up over that stretch? I do. I think this is the first time, and I'm surprised it took this long to get around to it. Um, but like the 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 really hard um missing Cole Holcomb this past yeah. couple of weeks seemed to really rear up you know for me like I feel like they really missed him the last couple of weeks against Atlanta against New York they're very very thin at that position they had said they were going to try to get some reinforcements at linebacker that didn't really happen no offense to John Bostic um and that it's another the position they're gonna have to you know address they have one in my opinion like viable very good linebacker on the field and the rest are kind of filling in and filling holes i think they do have some speed with people like harris or eifler if they were willing to give them a chance but they haven't played much if at all and ron rivera is not too huge on putting in on well i guess he did it in the in the secondary so maybe he will at some point because they are going to need some bodies it's a possibility but like 
I, I do think like, I feel like what I've seen the last couple of weeks, and maybe it's just a long season that the team has peaked a little bit, you know, on, de on defense. And maybe this bye week shows up just at the right time. And frankly, playing the same team a second time in a row, I would expect a better result. I would expect less yardage with his legs by Daniel Jones and, Hopefully they can kind of handle Saquon to the degree that they handled him. Like, uh, the yeah, and and I did get a couple of questions on Eifler and Kalik Hudson on Twitter District Sports Talk, and someone Wash Mike also wanted to know that, and you know because they're they're intrigued with Eifler. Well, he hasn't played. I think it's kind of hard to go put a guy in a stretch run and put him out there for the first time if you you know if he hasn't been in there. They're not really doing a ton in practice to then really test guys, which is a difficult part because in terms of you know, there's not these padded practices where you really get a game-like feel in a practice. Now, their they're, teams just can't do that. But I think, and the hard part is that Bostic, the, they certainly trust him against the yeah. run. Yeah. But he, he is not, he's only good in coverage when he drops to a zone area, but not when he has to do the zone match. Makes it tough. But I don't, but I think if, you know, you put one of the other guys in, I'd rather for them go to a five-line front with just Jamin Davis and have six defensive backs in that kind of a situation rather than going to one of the linebackers that you're not quite sure about. Mayo is the same way as Bostic. He's kind of Bostic light. Um, but I think, you know, Eifler did flash this summer with his speed. Yeah, I liked him a lot. I'd be curious to see where he develops, but I don't think this is the time you're going to put him in, especially okay. because, as they said, but the big thing is the run games that they have to defend more so than the pass. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, like, again, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm hoping that maybe it's just the bye week. They need a little bit of a break, um, and it's it's late in the season, and that's all they need, and it will re-energize. I think it is a massive advantage that they get the week off, and they don't have to prepare for anybody new. I mean, I think it's a massive, massive, massive advantage for them. So I do hope that things kind of turn around here and they get this win, and then, you know, we can talk about what the rest of the season looks like and how they get through. You know, often it's been their ability to control the ball. That's a big deal for the defense as well. I think they need to continue to do so. I mean, the strength of this defense is when they can get after people, especially with that defensive line. Um, I don't think they want to get into these tug of wars like they've had the last couple of weeks with the Giants right. or the Falcons. Um, it, it's just the margin for error is so slim. I mean, geez, like they're uh, tipped past the end of the Falcons game from losing. You know, they're, they're potentially... Uh, you know, five-yard offside penalty that should have been called in overtime to losing to the Giants. I mean, it's, it's right there. You know, I don't want to take anything away from them. Their record is their record, and they deserve it, and they've played their butts off. And I'm really appreciative of all of that, but I, do, I think we can all recognize here that the margin for error is very slim, and it seems to be getting slimmer by the last couple of weeks, especially against a couple of teams that are not going to have diverse offenses. And I think that's the part of it that should be a little concerning as well. The, you know... The Browns, by the time Washington plays them, might be a more diverse offense than they faced in a couple of weeks. Niners game looks obviously, six. yeah. <laughs> Niners game obviously looks a lot different right now, based mainly because of the quarterback situation. And I don't, we don't think know, we know how that's we know about them right now. But like, you know, here's this defense has played really, really well. The Giants are, I wouldn't call them one dimensional, but they're pretty darn close to it. And Atlanta kind of really is. And they struggled, you know, to stop these teams. And so I think, you know, clearly there's some work to be done here for sure. There are. And I think one thing to keep in mind with the Falcons for even what Mariota did, they only scored 13 points. And granted, there was a tip pass at the end, but they still only scored 13 points. So ultimately, that's what's going to matter. Now, Casey Mosley brings up a topic that I want to bring up. And it's, can we be very honest why Chase Young hasn't played yet? 
And I think it went, and I listen, it's a, it's a very, it's a good question. And I think there was, as you know, well, here, here's what I know. This tie has fallen off me, Brad. Here's what I know. The, the ACL is fine, but keep in mind that he also had damage to the patella tendon. And that is what, as much as anything, complicated that recovery. And that's been the slower part to, to, to kind of come back. And then it's for him, it's just then building up confidence to go out there and play at the level you need to. And it's not just, you know, pushing off the ground and getting a field. It's how do, do you have confidence in taking on a double team and playing the technique the way you're supposed to, which requires you to bend your knees? And can you, do you, can you withstand that? Are you ready for that? I do think that there's, um, I think last week, they, a couple of, couple of other things. The way the line is playing has lessened the need for him to get back out there until he's 100% sure. Um, I think that's one thing. I think last week, initially, I didn't think that Ron Rivera had said that turf wasn't really an issue. I think it was a little bit more of an issue. I think the combination of everything, it's like, you know, is he 100% ready? The line's doing well, and it's on this turf. I think all that factored in last week, Bram. And then I, but I, but I still think he's going to play again this season. And again, it'll be on a pitch count. And I know um, some people wonder about the impact. Listen, he could be the difference. If he makes one play a game, that could be the difference between a win or a loss. And so I do, you know, so anyway, that's, but again, that patella tendon part of it, it was, it was not just, if it had just been the ACL, he, I think he'd have been back a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, all right. I feel a little more free to talk about this now. Like a few weeks ago, I knew he was not going to play at least initially, uh, before the Atlanta game, he did have an illness, so that kept him from playing that game. And then this past week, I'm not entirely sure, other than to say, as of a few weeks, it's because Ron Rivera's talked about it, um, you know, publicly now. Like this is about his personal confidence. His personal confidence to play was not being exhibited in practice to the degree that the team felt comfortable putting him out there. They want him to protect himself. Um, he is too important for them uh, long term. Um, he did have a very serious knee injury. They're not, I agree with Ron Rivera here. And I knew this in the spring, they're not all the same. And I will say, if there's one thing I would just kind of say back to the team in the way that they messaged this, like all of us who are on the inside, were told there was no way he was playing week one. And in fact, like they knew in the spring that he might come back in week four, he might come back in week eight, but there was, you know, it was just going to see how things went. And I think that they've let this dangle a little bit. Like he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. When this was a much more serious knee injury, um, you know, than they led on or really allowed people to understand initially. And I, I just, at this point now, he has been medically cleared, but they are not going to put him out there if they don't feel like that he is going to be able to protect himself properly. And um, that's going to come down to his personal confidence in it. And will he play this next weekend? I don't know. If he doesn't, short of some kind of setback, new illness, whatever, you know, re reasonable excuse, I don't know that we will see him, you know, the rest of the year. I really don't. So, I, yeah. I, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that, like, it just means that, like, this year is kind of one of those things where he just needs to get healthy. And it's important for them long term for him to be healthy. And it's more important than what's going on right now, personally. Yeah. And I, I, I do think that there's a chance. I, I do think he plays this year. 
Um, but you know, like to be honest, Bram, it's like it changes every week how you feel. Like two weeks ago, there was there's sense more optimism. And then I think there was some, there are at times like the hard part with this, that sometimes you get through the week and then maybe there's a little bit of soreness to it. And it's like, that's going to be enough to, to bump him down. And then the sickness and all that. So I think that's, but I, I, you know, and somebody asked about Montez sweat. Yes, he did suffer. He was, he had the concussion, so we don't. Well, know. he went to concussion protocol. Did they yeah, actually yeah. diagnose him with one or no? I don't. Yeah, know. I think that's. I think I do think he has that. So we'll see. But I. But I. You know. What, regardless, this week off helps him. So, yeah. um. Anyway, um. King King De North wants to know thoughts on putting an extra O lineman and, and a tight end beside Lucas to help pass protect. Also, why not go up tempo more? Taylor thrives in up tempo. Well, Second do, part, I totally agree with 100%. Well, the only problem is you can't like, that's only an occasional strategy. You cannot do that very often. It's just not their offense. And he's, to be honest, he's not an accurate enough passer for me, for in my eyes to maintain that. And then you go three and out like that. And that's the problem with that. You can't run your full offense when they're doing that. And, you know, you just can't because you, you they're so big on multiple formations and, you know, two tight end, three tight end, in and out like that. I think you can do it occasionally, but you cannot make you cannot build an entire game plan off that. As far as the extra O lineman and the tight end, they did do that last week. A couple of times it was Bates or Logan Thomas who missed a block in some protection call. So you can do that. And they have, especially when you're going against the giants and the play action, you're going to keep those tight ends. in. so, yeah, they, they can do that. And they have, they, you know, sometimes, you know, that, you know, like the other, the other day, the problem wasn't that Leno got beaten on the block is that they didn't, they had the wrong protection call. That was the issue. So he blocks down. It's not because he can't block the guy. It's because he blocks down because that was the call or the slide was to the other way. So they have to get that part figured out big time. Anyway, Brad, yeah, go ahead. I, I would just say about Heineke, um, you know, this is this was something I talked about a couple of weeks ago, and and I feel same way now. Like again, I think maybe he might have needed a break. He's played a lot more games, I think, than he anticipated playing. Um, he might be a little beat up. He took an unnecessary hit in that Houston game. I think it slowed him down a little bit. And I don't want to speak for him. Like he doesn't look unhealthy to me, but he might just, you know, the season may be wearing on him a little bit. Um, I agree though that like Going up tempo at times, I think helps him. I think um, I like this. I'm not looking for designed runs out of them, but I think he's at his best when he's on the move. Um, and I haven't seen a lot of it lately. And, and that to me, um, he was forced to in this Giants game because they blitz so much and they bring so much pressure. But in previous weeks, that's when I think he's at his best. And so I've been kind of calling for, can you design a little bit more to just get him moving? Could you go up tempo a little bit more just to get the juices flowing, get him kind of into the game? There's a Brett Favre aspect to him. Um, and I think like that's where he really excels. And, you know, I, I, I hear out all this like, you know, it, you know, they don't they it doesn't run like the offense as they kind of see it. But like, I do believe he's earned trust. Like, yeah, he makes mistakes, but um, he often makes the right decisions, especially when he's on the on the move. Um, so I, I would like to see a little more movement too, because I think he thrives in it, but that, that's yeah. just my own personal opinion. Yeah. And it. someone commanders fan in Texas says bootleg. Well, they have run the bootleg. The problem is it doesn't, it doesn't uh, work enough. Here's the it, problem. Brad. I agree, but not against the giants. The giants bring so much pressure off the edge. You, you do a blind do bootleg with him. He's going to get caught and there's going to be a bad place. Right. I actually not against the giants, but I agree in general. So, so here's an, where I'd like to see him use his legs more. And I agree. Like it'd be nice to see him use it more when they've done it in the red zone, but like, then I went back and looked at it. I think it was against the Texans. They ran the zone read. And first of all, 
the zone read is a quarterback decision to make. So they have called for some zone reads. He typically is going to hand it off. They don't call it a lot, but when he does, he typically hands it off. Then the red zone against Texans, he kept it, and he got tackled for, I think, no yards or one yard. Against the Texans, he also, I think it was against the Texans, where he had the scramble play where he misses McLaurin in the end zone, who was wide open. So there's like, it's not always working out the way I thought it might using your legs, but that's to me is yeah. a strength. And that fourth down play is a strength of his where he can buy time and extend time. That's what I like to see him doing is that that's how I like to see him using his legs brand more so than designed runs. And I think you can do the, the, the rollouts occasionally you can't, yeah. you don't, you don't want to do it a ton because you know, coaches don't or coordinate or play callers don't want to cut down half the field. And if you're just doing that, then you're, you're going to, you're going to do that all the time, but you can do it more, change the pocket a little bit. Um, yeah. But it's more so when you have the opportunity to scramble, make a play that it seems to be when he's at his best. And again, with I the like up-tempo schedule, John, I do. I like, I, not all the yeah. time. And I don't want this to be no, no, no. football, yeah. but like I do, I like him off schedule. He makes like, and they have weapons that can separate. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're playing a team like the giants who were really weak in the secondary. And honestly, they leave them hung out to dry with all the pressure that they bring. You could catch them, you know? And so I, I loved, I loved these matchups. I thought Curtis Samuel could have a huge day against them. I thought Dotson, if they dialed him up and he did could have a big day against them. I you know, assumed McLaurin could, they weren't going to be able to cover these guys and they weren't, they're going to bring so much pressure. You'll leave these guys in one-on-one situations. Like good luck with that. Well, how did they make plays mainly? He, him moving. I trust his decision-making in general. I really do. And, um, you know, I think like in, in, and of course, like at the end of the game, when they need him to be Heineke, he makes these plays and it's, it, there's this part of me that goes, open it up for the guy a little bit, trust him a little bit. And let's see yeah. where it goes. So caps fan says, can't go up tempo all game, but can do it more often. You can burn play clock and still up tempo keeps defenses from subbing. Peyton did it all the time back in the day. I put that up there because Peyton ain't here. Like, you have to be honest about who you have. This is not because Peyton Manning did it doesn't mean that they can do this with Taylor Heineke. It's not the same right. thing. It's it's just not. So I do think that you can do it. I like it occasionally to do it. They want Their big thing is control the clock, run game, and be efficient and don't make a lot of mistakes in the pass game. So, yeah, you can go up tempo and prevent them from subbing like that occasionally. They kind of did that on their first drive the other day. The first couple plays, they they did go more of an up tempo look, but you they just it just it would run counter to how they want to operate. And I think the big fear is okay, you do that. And if you throw incomplete a couple times, now you're burning clock and the defense is back out there too soon. But you know, I think. It's okay. I do like it as an occasional change it up strategy. Yeah. I do like it then. Sure. Yeah. So I, but I was just going to give Caps fan a hard time. Peyton Manning is not. No. We're not, we're not watching Peyton Manning You're, play. Even though I, I do I like a tweet like, from Bill Barnwell, who I love, by the way. He's one of my favorite writers, who I guess was listening to our broadcast and tweeted out that we compared Heineke to Pat Mahomes. And I can promise you that did not happen. Like, <laughs> we're not, like, give us a break. <laughs> Well, Did not happen. Right. So P Duke 68. And this is one thing I was talking about too. What about Dotson wide open the back of the end zone on the first drive? He's right. That third down three, which resulted in Taylor running out of the pocket, Dotson breaks the back of the end zone and it is there. And that's one of the things where I wonder about with, with, for him and for the coaches is, can you do something more to create some passing lane so he can see that he is a shorter quarterback. And I wonder if down in those clogged areas, 
how does that impact him? And I don't, I don't know. I haven't played it. When I'm watching the game again, Bram, and same with you, you can watch the all 22. Well, it's from an angle. I can see everything. Oh, he's open. Throw it. Well, I don't know what he sees down there. Is somebody in his vision? I don't know. But I do know that Dotson was open. And that's where I've always been. I thought he could have a big game. And I think he will have another big game because the guy does get open. And that route he had, watch that, watch that drag route he had. It was fantastic. Patient off the line, cornerback. Now he's going against a cornerback who I think was picked up. I think he was a practice squad guy who was elevated. But, you know, come patient off the line, then throws a hesitation move at him and cuts across. And like, he just dusted the guy. So, like, he's going to continue to get opportunities against them. That's why I feel good for them about the rematch is that that stuff to me isn't going to change. I think the Giants, nothing that I saw the other day suggested, oh, the Giants are different than what I thought. I think they're exactly who we thought. you got to protect. you got to protect, you know, and give, give Heineke a little bit of time to throw. But – do you see – how do you see these last four games, Brand? What do you think what – what are you expecting over these next four week, games? Realistically, and it won't be – you know, nothing will be over over if they lose, but I do feel like this is a kind of a must win this weekend or next weekend when they play them for the second time. Um, it, it, regardless of whether the Giants, you know, lose to Philadelphia or not, I think it's going to really, really matter. Um, I do feel like the likelihood of both of them getting into the playoffs is slim. Um, so I think it's going to be one or the other. And that's why I think this is a really, really, really yeah. big deal. Winner this game. game is flipped upside down because of their quarterback situation now. So I, you know, I wouldn't have loved now all of a sudden it's a short week off a night game, fly across the country, play one of the best teams, you know, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing quarterback now and they don't have, in my opinion, a backup that you have any clue what he's going to be like. And I like our defense in a situation with an inexperienced quarterback. I think we're going to be in a, in a rugby match with them. It's going to be a lot of run plays. So who knows how that ends up with Cleveland, you know, that's a question mark. Like what's Deshaun look like three weeks from now? I don't know. You know, like, I don't really know. And you know, are they, you know, are they completely out of the playoff, you know, situation? Probably, you know, and it, so what motivation do they have? What's the weather going to be like that day? You know, there's a lot there. So I don't really know. And then what's Dallas playing for? Are they playing for the division? Do they just have the wild card already wrapped up? Will they care? You know, it's like, I think every single one of these games are really open questions. The only one that isn't is the next one coming up. And it's hard for me to project out any of the last three. But on this one, I think they need to win it. Like, (laughs) and and I think they should, frankly, like, I think they have a better team than the Giants. I do too. I do too. And I, by I the way, they Cam- should, it's home. I they've had. They're going to have a week off. They don't have to prepare for a different team. I think they should win. And if they really are a playoff team, this is the time where you go and you win a game at home in December in a must against a team that, frankly, I think your your roster's better than. So go right. win. So, by the way, Caps fan wanted to clarify he said, because he's the one who talked about Peyton. He's not comparing talent, but Heineke should be smart enough to handle it more often. I think he is, but again, you have to look at the style of the team. And, and it, to me, they just, it's, he's not accurate enough to operate that way. I just think occasionally, like maybe once or twice a game, that's it for me. That's all I'd be comfortable with. I just don't think we're looking, you know, going up tempo quarterback is still who he is. And I think he's done a, I think one, one of the strengths he has is he can manage a game. I think usually makes good decisions, 
but um, and he does make some risky. I say I don't think he makes risky throws as much as he's willing to make a play. I think guys do gravitate to that, and I know there's some throws where in the press box you go like, "Oh my god," but he's willing to make that play and take that chance. I think that's one thing guys I don't like have him. an issue with his with his decision making in general. No, I don't either. I don't either. That's why no, no, I don't. That's why I always kind of go back to. You know, I don't mind them just showing a little more trust in him, you know, throughout the game that like trust he is going to make the right decisions on your well, behalf. I think it helps when you have like when now that Dotson, if he's back in working the way he has been, if you can get him going again, now you can do a little bit more stuff with that group because of that. And especially against, I think, the Giants with that, with that, it's it's a risk reward with facing them because Wink Martindale is going to blitz the hell out of them. But if you catch them, you can get a lot of good stuff out of it. A couple more questions. Um, Let's see. And again, another one, always with, with Wentz. Um, Beach Moore wants to know, don't we know the end of the story with Taylor Heineke? Do you take a chance with Wentz to see if you can take the team to the next level? Not right now. And again, just real quick, again, I was talking to somebody over there today, and like he said, their opinion was you'd kill the spirit of the locker room right now if you made a change now. That like Bram said earlier, it would have to be something very obvious, like, okay, it's over. But we're not, I don't think we're at that point yet because what has Wentz proved here that says that he can do that? We don't know that yet. So I think that's part of the yeah. hard part too. Listen closely to what the players say though. Like they love this guy. I love they this do. guy too. Look um, at, they also want to win. Said. They want to win and they're they're realistic. Like they're realistic too. So I don't think there would be if it if it is done for the right reasons, I don't think there would be some kind of revolt that people think. Right. But right now, I don't see the right reason to do it personally. So here's one too, and Brand, this will be for you from Sydney Barnes. Um, says this year's team is one of my favorite Washington teams ever. So much improvement despite adversity, so much heart, so much grit. What is your favorite Washington team of all time, all time, and why? I mean, the 91 team is the most dominant team, you know, we, we've ever had and might be the best team in NFL history. Um, they were uh, the Chiefs and the 85 Bears at the same time. Like they were <laughs> utterly ridiculous, like on both sides of the ball. It won't ever get any better than that. Um, you know, I mean, it's hard to pick any of those from the 80s. They were all uniquely different and really good. You know, I think it's hard not to really love um, and it's partially because of the results. It's hard not to love the first Super Bowl team because they beat Dallas in the NFC Championship. They'd finally won their first Super Bowl. Um, you know, just they had been they'd been beaten by Dallas like the year before to be knocked out of the playoffs, stuff like that. So it's hard not to love the first one. But the '91 team is just you know will go down in history as one of the greatest teams in NFL history. It's hard not to love that one. But I agree with this. Like I was at an event, um, you know, up in New York with the team team function you know the night before the game and you know we were talking and Gary Clark was there and I said I go you know like this one this team really feels like those 80s teams like there's really good camaraderie here these guys really like each other it's a really good locker room they fight really hard like there's clearly vulnerabilities there this is clearly not a complete roster for a lot of the reasons we've talked about but it does feel a little gibsy sort of where it's like every time I think something's going to really hurt them hurt them it kind of doesn't and that's the sign of a really well-coached, tuned-in, plugged-in team that cares about one another. So I really do really – I love what's happening here. That's why I don't want to take it – like, the margin for error is so slim on these guys, but I don't want to take anything away from them. They end up on top in most of them. Yeah. Like, no, I don't we, want to sit here and complain about 6-1-1 one, and one in their last eight. That's good. Well, so I'm like, you know, I think they deserve the credit for fighting through, getting through, and I think we see the reasons why. These guys are into one another. They like what they're doing. The you know the the 
the ranks have been closed. The locker room's been closed. They're in for each other. And I love that about them. They're, they're really, they're a very good team in terms of chemistry. And I think Rivera's got a very good pulse on this team. Feels like it's heading the right way, really. Right. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that real quickly. Like one of the things you hear is, that they that they do get along and they have a confidence in one another and that that part is what re- would remind me of a Gibbs team because when you talk to those guys and how they played for one another and they like playing with and it's not just like hey I like this guy you like playing with that guy you want to play with that guy you have confidence in one another I think this team has that and I saw that earlier this year Bram and it's like I kept thinking you know you're like it's and I remember I even told the coach over there like it almost felt like it was going to go to waste that their camaraderie that they had. But I go back to that, that um, the team North Turner's last team, they start off what six and two in 2000. And you're thinking, Oh, this team's good in a good spot. And I remember at the end, so they, they lose, they go what nine and seven that year, eight and eight. And at the end of the year, I remember we talked to Larry centers and it's like, man, you guys were six and two. And he said, yeah, but you don't find out what you have until you get punched in the mouth. This yeah. team has gotten punched in the mouth, and we found out what they have. So that's what I think. My favorite team to cover, because I didn't grow up here with this, my favorite team to cover was the 2012 season with Griffin, just because it was so much fun and so unique, and it became so electric that toward the end of the year. And to go back and watch the games, it was a, it was a blast. So yeah. anyway, Tom, a couple more questions, and we're going to cut it. Tom Vaccaro says, I know this was mentioned with the rushing attacks, but concern about the pass rushers coming up in the schedule with the pass pro recently. I think there is concern. One of the things that when you look at the Giants, they did hurt them on the edge, and they have some speed off the edge. Now, you can run at those guys, and when you have smaller ends like that, you can run at them, and I think you're going to see more of that in the second game. But you can do that, and I think that's how you neutralize them and then running play action off that. Get them to hesitate a little bit. But yeah, they have then you have Miles Garrett and Clowney coming up, and you have the, the Niners. I mean, it is, and then and then Micah Parsons. That is tough. That's why it's hard to go away from what they have and and in terms of running the ball and making that as your primary focus. Because if you do, then you're putting yourself in position to face those kind of pass rushers with a banged up offensive line. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, that's been a it's been a problem from the get-go. Anyone who's followed us throughout the year knows that back in the spring, I was red flagging offensive line as something that I was concerned about, just decisions that were made. And, um, you know, they've also had a bad rash of injuries and they, but they've kept it together. And the fact that they have a semblance of an offense, considering how many different people have been juggled in and out of the lineup, commit to their coaching and to their wherewithal and again, to their chemistry and belief in the belief in team and belief in all, like, there's a lot of good things going on here. Um, but they're vulnerable for sure. They're vulnerable. And think about the next, you want to talk about the next four games is something that I do know is true. I know what this Giants team is going to do. They're going to bring a ton of blitzes because that's what they do. Um, then they're going to play Bosa and then they're going to play Miles Garrett and then they're going to play Dallas's defense. So uh, that's the one certainty I can tell you about it with these last four that pass protection may make or break them as they come down the end of the season. And Greg Dashiell says Heineke has been the system for system for six or seven years, and they still don't trust him. They know no, that that's not what reason. I meant at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, asking for yeah. them to give him a little bit more trust. They do trust. He's playing. Obviously, yeah. they trust him. He's um, in the league because I they meant, trust him. I, I meant like you know what? Let him be him a little bit more because I and that's just my own personal opinion. I think him being him a little bit more within the construct of the offense would be a good thing for everybody, in my opinion. There you go, Bram. We're going to cut it there. It's been a, a, hopefully an informative. 
40 some minutes. So appreciate everybody tuning in. Bram, thanks for joining me as usual. And we'll be back with another one. I think it's on Thursday. We're coming out with another one. Um, Thursday or Friday, we'll have another one early on early next week, a little round table discussion with some of the other reporters just to get some more insight for you as we get down to the stretch here. Big games coming up. And Bram, I will say it is fun to go to big games in December. It's been too long. So thanks everybody for joining me and I'll talk to you next time.